Hello, and welcome to Not Your Mother's Housing Market, the podcast where we dissect and discuss emerging trends in today's real estate market, because a 21st century market requires 21st century strategies. I'm Katie Keaton, realtor with Realty One Group Pacifica, and I am joined by... LaDonna Page, mortgage advisor and liabilities manager with CR Pacific Mortgage. And we are really excited to bring you episode four of Not Your Mother's Housing Market. I am kind of nervous because I am giving LaDonna the reins and I don't really know what we're talking about today. (laughs) But that's exciting because this is exactly the conversations that LaDonna and I typically have. Um, We're really, we get together and speak because we both want to be more educated. So today I'm going to be getting a lesson (laughs) and you guys are going to be getting one right along with me. And hopefully I ask the questions that you are also wanting to know. Yeah. But before we jump into episode four of Not Your Mother's Housing Market, brought to you by the Kellett's Podcast Network, we will listen to a word from their sponsors. So here you go. Take control of your account and make interacting with Kellett's PUD easy with SmartHub. Through SmartHub, you'll be able to view detailed usage information, make a payment, enroll in programs, set account notifications, and much more. You'll also receive important news and information about Kellett's PUD and can quickly contact us with any issues regarding your service. You'll be able to put yourself in the driver's seat of your Kellett's PUD account. Smart management, smart life, smart hub. And that was a word from the Kellett's PUD brought to you by the Kellett's Podcast Network, which is where we are bringing you Not Your Mother's Housing Market, (laughs) episode four. And today's episode is going to be discussing three-sided balance sheets. And I'm now just going to shut my mouth and let LaDonna (laughs) talk. All right, Katie, do you remember... I don't know. It feels like a million years ago there was a Jason Derulo song out called Talk Dirty to Me. I, of course, I remember. (laughs) Okay. Can I just say that? (laughs) I know every Jason Derulo song. I love it. We can totally be friends. Um, Okay. So then, of course, there was a parody that came out after that called Talk Nerdy to Me. By Weird Al Yankovic. No, I don't think so. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure that's... I mean, maybe he wrote it, but it's definitely... I watched the video last night just because I was, like, getting in the mood. Okay, fine. <laughs> I guess any time I hear in the parody, video. I'm like, it's oh, definitely, it's definitely weird weird Yeah. Which I also, like, the only person I love more than Jason Derulo <laughs> is probably Weird Al. I tried to buy tickets to one of his concerts, um, like, five years ago, and they sold out immediately, and I almost cried. Oh my gosh, like I'm so not a fan. But anyway, <laughs> oh my, I love Weird Al. I love a good parody, but I don't love Weird Al. Um, That's a discussion also, for another time. <laughs> but anyway, talk yeah. nerdy to me. All We're right. back talk on track. Nerdy talk nerdy to me. Okay, so that parody, like they talk about some really nerdy stuff that I just don't get because that's not the kind of nerd I am. But like balance sheets, numbers. Want to talk nerdy? That's your nerd nirvana. <laughs> Nerd Nirvana. There you go. My nerdiness probably involves Weird Al. <laughs> That's why I got so excited. But whatever, I love fine. It. We're not well, talking about Weird Al today. We're talking no. about three-sided balance three-sided sheets. Three-sided balance sheets. Okay, so let's like start at the beginning. Everybody knows two-sided balance sheet. When you make any budget, you look at your income versus your bills, right? Well, when you say everybody knows that, I'm like... Does everybody know that? (laughs) I don't know if I've like ever in my life been like balance sheet has two sides. (laughs) I know that. 
So. Talk nerdy to me. <laughs> yes. Continue on. Right. Give me a little background on <laughs> what is this balance sheet you speak of? All right. So balance sheet, you want to weigh your assets versus your liabilities. So your income, your bills versus the assets that you have. Okay, got it. But so wouldn't your income be an asset? Yeah, your income is an asset. Sorry, I kind of threw that on the wrong side. Okay. So everything going out are your liabilities. So all the loans that you have are liabilities. Right. Okay. And then what you're bringing in, those are your assets. Right. And what you own. And what you own are assets as well. I'm a quick learner. (laughs) Good job. Okay. So, like, financial advisors always say two-sided balance sheet, two-sided balance sheet, but... What is also in there is your real estate holdings. This is where the biggest amount of wealth in America comes from is real estate holdings. And it is like most everybody, like American dream, I want to own a home, right? So you put your, draw a triangle basically, And you have your liabilities on one side and your assets on the other. And your real estate is at the bottom because your real estate is your biggest debt and your biggest um, asset most of the time for most people. So, again, I think we spoke about this at the end of last week's episode, but Venn diagram. Venn diagram also works. Okay. We've got our two circles. One circle is an asset. One circle is your liabilities. And in that middle little circle is your real estate holdings is your real estate holdings because okay. because most people have to finance them most okay. people have to make payments on them most okay. people do not run around buying houses with cash but if you did just so i fully understand <clears throat> everything if you owned your house free and clear it would totally be an asset yes okay well i mean you still have to pay stuff you still have to pay taxes on it you still have to pay maintenance so i guess maybe partially Partially. Liability. Okay. Anyway, still partially liability. Okay. So where this really gets fun is in building your strategies in not only how to get into a home so that you can start building your housing wealth, but also into building a strategy about where you want to put your money. Okay, cool. So it kind of goes back to, like you said, financial advisor, they're going to look at it, um, two-sided balance sheet. And mm-hmm. with a financial advisor, they're going to say, oh, okay, let's put this much money into stocks or let's put this much money into a CD or let's put this much money into blah, blah, blah. I know these words, but I don't know very much about them. <laughs> but um, hopefully I'm selling the fact that I'm knowledgeable. <laughs> um, fake it till you make it. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so they're kind of... Another piece of the puzzle is, okay, how can we build our portfolio out with real estate? Right. And maybe even how you can leverage that third piece to build more wealth, um, not only on your asset side, but maybe leverage that one piece of real estate into multiple pieces of real estate. Correct. Because when you move money from your bank account over into your house, Mm -hmm. as you make payments on it, you build equity. Right. And as appreciation goes up, you also build equity. Mm-hmm. So over time, you end up with a bigger and bigger, bigger pool of equity in your home. But when you talk about money, you won't, you know, you're looking at your liquidity also. So it you kind of ties into and liquidity. Right. So it kind of ties into um, your 
your net wealth versus your gross wealth. That's not the right word. But like when someone says like your net worth. Right. What's your net worth? My house is part of my net worth. But it's not part of like the money you have sitting in the bank. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Because unless you have something to create a liquid account on that, such as a line of credit against your house, that equity isn't liquid. You cannot touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time we tell people, you know, get a home equity line of credit against your house for as much as they'll allow you to take out and just don't use it because you want to have it when, you know, your kid needs a heart transplant or whatever. So I definitely can understand this because um, my grandparents owned a few properties and so then my my mom and her siblings, they had some of their own properties, but then they've also inherited some from my grandparents. And it's like on paper, we were actually laughing the other day because, I mean, we're financially fine. They're financially healthy, but it's not like we're rolling in the dough. Right. Um, but someone made the joke to my aunt the other day, like, oh, you're a millionaire. And she like laughed out loud because, I mean, technically, if you look at the property she owns, maybe it is, especially with these crazy house prices right now. I mean, a lot of us are sitting on $500,000 technically. I mean, most of us don't own it outright, so not a full $500,000. What you're sitting on is the difference between mm -hmm. what your market value is and what you owe on it. Right. That's what you're sitting on. On paper. A lot of us are sitting on $100,000 of equity right now. Totally. But it doesn't feel like it when you're, you know, going out and buying your groceries. You're not like, oh, I have $100,000 in the bank because you don't. Right. I was talking to a client recently and they were like, you know, we want a bigger home. We need a bigger home. We've had a few kids since we purchased this one. And but like our payment, we don't want our payment to change. So we want, you know, we want to keep it roughly the same. And Mm -hmm. that feels like we're not going to get a bigger home because we can't go out and buy a home in a $300,000 home right now that's going to fit our needs. Right. So like, what do we do? And I said, well, you don't have to look just at $300,000 homes because when you purchased your home for $300,000, that was in 2008. And now you have $200,000 of equity in your house. Totally. And you can use that $200,000 to pay for things, but also, you know, closing costs and all of that, but also to put toward that new home. So you're looking at like $150,000 extra of housing wealth that you Mm -hmm. can dump into next house. And if that's the right strategy for you, then that's absolutely what you need to do. Um, So these these strategies are like, this is where I get really fun. And the part that I love is building the strategies of how how to help. Um, Okay, so give us an example. Someone comes into you and they have a problem. So you just gave the one of someone maybe wanting a bigger house. So we know that strategy. If you can sell your house, then you have an extra, you know, $150,000 to put towards your next house. So you're really buying down the cost of that next house. mm -hmm. So that's one strategy. Um, What are some other ones? Like, give us a scenario. Someone comes into your office and they have a problem. How do you use the three-sided balance sheet to fix it? So we can look at, you know, I, I want to purchase a new home, but I don't own a home currently. Okay. 
So if you are going to purchase a home right now, $400,000 purchase price in Cowlitz County is pretty common. Um, in Dream World, we put $20,000 down that, or 20% down, that's $80,000. So your loan is $320,000. Dream World. Dream World, that's right? That's Dream World. <laughs> That's the theme song for that. Because we all have $80,000 sitting in the bank ready to put down on a home, right? My eyes are darting around the room. <laughs> because no. No. Okay. <laughs> My eyes, this is like LaDonna sleeping and she's actually having this dream that someone comes into her office and they're like, hey, we want to buy a $400,000 house and we have $80,000 to put down. And she's like, uh, in her dream, she's like smiling. <laughs> Her husband rolls over and LaDonna has a, just a pleasant smile across her face. <laughs> okay. Yep. So anyway, we're things. going with this dream scenario. Dream about. Yes. I mean, come on. We both dream about our jobs. I know for a fact you do. I dream about writing offers like all night long. It's so awful. I love to write offers, but I do not want to do it when I'm sleeping and then wake up the next day and do it again. But anyway, okay. So this scenario, world, carry on. Right? But... Dream world usually doesn't actually come to fruition, especially when it comes with $80,000 down. So <laughs> I'm nodding vigorously. I'm just like, my head is a little bobblehead guy. I picture one of those little Hawaiian dolls and my head is just bobbing up right, and down. You're just going with it mm -hmm. in the waves. <laughs> in the waves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> go on, go on. So... <laughs> So with that, like, you know, that obviously doesn't happen very often anymore. But you do have people that come in that have 10% to put down. And we shift things so that, you know, you can still get into that same house with only your 10% down. And that, like, you have to have real estate holdings to have a three-sided balance sheet really is how it works. Okay, so these people are coming in, they have 10% down, but they do not have a three-sided balance sheet. They are straight they up two-sided balance sheet, and hopefully their assets are enough to get them into a house. Right. Okay. So they get in. And now... And now they have, they have a three-sided three balance, sheet. balance sheet. And so where strategies come in for borrowing, they also come in for helping you build your wealth and helping you build that portfolio. Tell me more. <laughs> Because I feel like we have like a background really. Oh, I just stopped. Oh, that was so weird. Sorry. I, I had myself muted, but we did have a weird little background noise. We did. Hmm. All right. We'll delete Technical that. difficulties. Um, anyway, so your housing wealth, like when you move money from your checking account over to your house, it's considered a balanced neutral movement because you're just taking money from one pocket and putting it in the other. Okay. I'm following. I'm following. Okay. So to tap into your housing wealth, you need something like a HELOC, a line of credit. Okay. I'm following. I'm following. Okay. So I, there was a few years ago where, oh my goodness, why did we want to take out money? I can't remember. We wanted to explore a HELOC. Okay. For some unknown reason. I literally can't remember why. Um, and I remember going in and I had no idea 
what a HELOC was. So can you just give a quick, brief explanation of a HELOC? A HELOC is basically like a secured credit card. It, But it's secured by your house. Okay, and so basically... So basically, you're paying yourself back. Right. Okay, so it's almost like it'd be kind of the same thing as borrowing against your 401k. No. No, don't do that. Oh, oops. That's like... <laughs> Oh, oops, oops. Never mind. That Forget is, I said that. Like, that is one of the most expensive loans you can get is borrowing against your 401k. Okay, don't borrow against your 401k. <laughs> borrow against your house. LaDonna said it. You heard it here first. Because Maybe. you can always Maybe you've heard get... it before. <laughs> Maybe you've heard it before. But yeah, 401k loans are super, super expensive loans. Well, um, aren't HELOC but... loans pretty high percentage? No. No, I mean, they're adjustable rates, just like a credit card. Okay. But it's, you know, it's baseline plus three or plus one or whatever. Like, I think we have one right now for 1.25. So it it is a credit card. You're just making your house liquid, basically, so that you can tap into that wealth and you can borrow against it to get into a new house to build more equity there. Okay, so can I just interject really quick? Because speaking of, like, the dream world, you know, we're dreaming. Mm-hmm. So your dream is that someone shows up with $80,000 to put down on a house. On the flip side, my nightmare, as you said, turn your house liquid. I just, like, imagine being in my house and all of a sudden it starts melting. <laughs> Okay, you're a visual person. <laughs> so my house is melting around me. But that's not what you mean by liquid. No, liquid that's just means not. you have cash where you can like, use the money from your house to maybe do landscaping or to do um work on your house or maybe I mean do something frivolous even, really. You can use it for whatever. You could definitely use it for whatever. Okay. Don't Life. use it for frivolous things. <laughs> I know that's what she's about to say to me. She's looking Katie's at me like, looking don't even face. go there. Don't even say go like... on a cruise around the world. Don't do that, right? Because Katie knows me so well, and she knows that I'm like, save it, save it, save it, save it, save it. Okay, so then why would you explain to me this? Because it is a second. it's a second mortgage, correct? Yes. It'd be considered a second mortgage. So you'd have the first mortgage mortgage on the house and then a HELOC would be a second mortgage. So you would have a second payment um, on your house. So why would you make a second payment to just have money sitting in the bank? You're only going to make a payment on a HELOC if you draw money against it. Okay. So you you get a $50,000 HELOC and you don't have to use it. Okay. You just have a savings account there that has now turned your equity into liquid so that you can use it for other things if you need to. Okay. Um, because when you talk about finances and money, everybody looks at return, safety, and liquidity the most. Like mm-hmm. that's strategies come in there later down the line of seven steps, but liquidity safety and return are always the biggest. Um, You can take it right now and sink it into a savings account and make 7% Mm. off of it and bank the difference between what you borrowed and what you are saving. So question, two questions. First of all, I mean, obviously you're not a, well, yeah. Okay. So are you 
telling your clients, maybe someone comes in and they're planning on doing a refi. Um, are you kind of across the board recommending that people get out of HELOC? Would be my first question. Not, it's not the right strategy for every single person. Okay, who is it the right strategy for? It is the right strategy if you're fairly comfortable with where you're at everywhere else. Um, you're comfortable with what you're saving. You're comfortable with what you've got um, in your house right now. And you're comfortable with the idea that if I do have to use this, I can make that payment. Okay, so then second question in this market right now where everything is so high and where there are a lot of concerns of like what goes up must come down, is it a good idea to pull it out when the market is so high? Like what are the thoughts on that? Because there are lending limits on your, like we won't let you go over a certain percentage because we do want that wiggle room in there for you to keep you safe. Okay, so that's that like 80%. Right. Loan to value. Loan to value. Okay. So if you, they want you to only be financing 80% of your house. So you own 20% of it outright. Right. So the HELOC, there's a lending limit with the HELOC and is it 80-20? Not in every one. Okay. There are so many different HELOCs out there that I can't even tell you. Like. Okay. But is it safe? Okay. So let's say right now, um, just real numbers. I built my house three years ago. We spent $300,000 building our house. Now, as I'm looking at the market, we're probably in the mid fours as far as what I think it I would priced, appraise for. When, when we were looking at refinancing your house, I think I priced it at like 480. Yeah. Um, I'm always very conservative with my numbers. So I'm going to go mid fours. <laughs> okay. okay. So especially like we talked about last time, appraisers, you never know what they're thinking. Right. They're, they're a wily bunch. Okay, so anyway, let's say I have $150,000 equity in my house. Would it be smart to take out, let's say, okay, to keep the loan-to-value ratio, I'm not going to do the math, but let's say I took $80,000 out. I'm literally just guessing here on the math. Um, but anyway, what happens if the market does go down and now my house is only valued at $300,000 again? What happens? You still have those out and nothing really happens unless you're going to sell. Okay, so I can still sit on that cash. I'm still not making any payments if um, I'm not spending any of it. Right. I technically could put the 300000 back, or not the 300000 I technically could put the $80,000 just back in the bank, back in the loan. Well, it's just sitting there anyway. You haven't okay. taken it out. You don't owe anything on it. Okay, so even though the value has gone down, it's still just sitting there and it's, it's fine. just sitting there and it's fine. Okay, and then if I did spend it, it's really not that big of a deal because I'm not planning on moving anytime soon. Right. So now I took out the value when it was high and I still have it when or if the market goes back down. Right. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So that's where you turn around and you invest that money. You could pull 50000 of that eighty out and invest it for 7% and... Buy a bunch of Dogecoin. Don't do that. <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I meant to, to say just, Bitcoin. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just need to throw out there that I am not a financial advisor. I have a few that I would love to recommend if you feel like you need one. I am not a financial advisor. I'm joking. I am about a liabilities manager and mortgage advisor, but I will sit here and give you my own opinions all day long. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, so we're getting kind of into the weeds, but this is what this is about. Definitely. Because um, as someone, like I said, I was nervous coming into this episode because I 
I have no idea what we're talking about and I'm a control freak. So these are the questions that I would be asking if I went into your office and I said, hey, I want to refinance. Um, right. What should I do? These are exactly the questions that I would be throwing back to you if you were explaining the HELOC to me. So hopefully other right. people are getting something out of this and maybe you can decide if it's right for you before you go talk to a lender. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, not every situation is exactly the same. That's the reason that the strategies change. And that's what makes my job so fun is because I get to play with all the numbers and every scenario. Uh, but the ultimate goal is to help you reach your own potential of financial wealth. And part of that is your real estate holdings, or at least that's where Katie and I come into is your real estate holdings. And taking you from being a debtor, somebody who is borrowing because they have to borrow, to a creditor, somebody who's borrowing because it is the best strategy for them, that understanding how to manipulate that is like that's my fun. <laughs> that is so interesting. First of all, being called a debtor is like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a mean word. <laughs> it does sound like a mean word. But but if you have loans out and like and there's two different ways to be mortgage free, right? Mm -hmm. You're either mortgage free because you've paid your mortgage off or you purchased your house in cash. Mm -hmm. Or you're mortgage free because your assets outweigh your liabilities. Got it. Okay. Because my assets are worth more than the loan that I have. And in okay. that scenario, you're borrowing out of strategy, not mm -hmm. need. This is so interesting. And yes, I totally love this conversation. And that makes complete sense because it's kind of like one of those things where um, the old saying, you have to have money to make money. Right. Which like as a 30 year old every year, I feel like that becomes more and more apparent, which I'm not even going to get into the topic of privilege and all that stuff but as far as you have to have money to make money one of the best ways to quote unquote have money is to buy a house right would you agree yeah absolutely no I look around and I look at people I know and people who not again not every scenario but the people who are renting are struggling right now mm -hmm. the people who own their homes Mm -hmm. are doing all right. Yeah. They're comfortable at least. Mm -hmm. um, so that, like, your house really, really, really sets you up financially for every other decision in life. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Yeah, I like to think of it that way because it is true. Um, your net worth, as much as I kind of scoff at that, and like I said, we were laughing about it at my family dinner the other night, like, oh, my aunt's a millionaire, haha, -ha. so not true. But um, you do kind of have to have money to make money, and buying a house is one of the easiest ways, especially because, first of all, you can borrow to get into it, but it still is yours and still is partially an asset. And then second of all, um, you're able to use it while you're paying for it. I mean, it's this, right. You're throwing away money and rent where if you're buying, it is part of your assets and it is something that um, you get to use it while you're paying it off and you get to use it while you have the ability to borrow against it and make more money and make better financial decisions. So, Right. There's a really old saying that, you know, you can 
your house can buy you a car, but your car cannot buy you a house. Oh, I love that. <laughs> also, speaking of, side note, I have a friend right now who um, wanted to sell his rental so that he could pay off his truck. And myself, as well as his financial advisor and his wife were like, no, do not do it for that exact reason. And I wish I had heard that saying when he was talking about it. Thank God we... You can call him afterwards um, and be like, I have a friend named LaDonna and she is a genius. Because it is true. And there are people who think I'm going to take out a HELOC and I'm going to pay off all of my debts. Right. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. Like, it's just the same as using a credit card that has a lower interest rate versus a credit card that has a higher interest rate. Okay. When I worked for the bank, you could look at people's credit and say... You know, you have a credit card out here at 20% with Bank of America. But if you switch over to U.S. Bank and we'll give you a 3% one, but we'll give you 0% on whatever you transfer onto this credit card. (laughs) My eyes just glazed over. I'm like, I accidentally looked away at the beginning of that and lost. I'm lost in the woods. All right. (laughs) But I get what you're saying. We'll have to discuss that later because my mind is not operating on all cylinders apparently i'm so focused on the mortgage train i'm like credit cards wait what what happened to the bank (laughs) (laughs) this is exactly why i need a financial advisor (laughs) okay so then can i ask you what is the difference between a heloc and a cash out refi cash out refi is cash in your hands right now heloc is cash sitting there waiting for you to use it when you want it okay I get that. I understand that. So with the cash out refi, you're immediately going to be paying a payment on it because it just becomes part of your loan, right? It now is your primary loan. Okay. So it is your first mortgage. First it is not a yep. second mortgage. Okay. Interesting. Good to know. And so why would someone do a cash out refi versus a HELOC? Because they are looking to do something right now that's huge, like a $100,000 uh, remodel in their home. And usually it's something, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a cash out refi would be great when you're doing that because you're putting more money into your house to build your equity back up so that you're kind of back at square one. Right. Okay. HELOC, I always advise people to treat a HELOC like a savings account. You don't touch it. Okay. Unless you need to. It's the, it, it is the, oh my gosh, we need a heart surgery account not oh gosh. <laughs> don't that like hurt that scared me katie's just like don't put that on the universe no. oh my gosh <laughs> nobody needs heart surgery we're all no one needs heart surgery but like it turns your asset liquid so that you can use it if you need to cash out refi you take cash out to add i have one guy right now that is taking their home and they are they're getting $100,000 out in cash to do a remodel. And that's kind of why I threw out that $100,000 for a remodel. Um, His interest rate from his original mortgage is going up, Mm -hmm. but it's going up like one and a quarter percent above what he started at. And I'm not, (laughs) if he listens, you know who you are, but (laughs) he's essentially getting $100,000 for one and a quarter. Okay. And like, I challenge you to go find that somewhere else (laughs) other than in your house because 
you know. <laughs> totally, um, totally. Well, and if he's doing a remodel, then his house is going to be worth more. Right. His and house then is going to be worth more. his equity will be back up to. Yeah. Okay. And kind of shining back into that fluctuating market, if you look at historical prices in homes and watch the markets and how they kind of ebb and flow, it goes up and then it comes down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then it goes up. And it comes down a little bit, and then it goes up, and it comes down a little bit. But it never, right. like, plummets clean down to the bottom. Like, your house is worth nothing now. Right. Like, <clears throat> Which, that- actually, it's funny that you brought this up. This is not really on topic of um, this week's episode, and I'll probably reference this again in a later episode. But I was talking to someone the other day, and she was talking about how she wants to purchase a house. And um, she was like, well, we have, like, $200,000 in equity from the home that we built in 2007 so probably you know in 2008 9 10 11 12 they were probably completely lamenting like oh my gosh we are so upside down um in our home and you know whatever and even though they built or purchased at probably the nightmare time to do so now we're this far out it's 2021 and they have two hundred thousand dollars worth of equity in the home that they built in 2007 so i mean like you said it kind of goes back to if you're planning on sticking around for a while it's gonna ebb and flow but right you'll net positive eventually you know it's that two steps forward one step back two steps forward one step back the housing market has been doing that for home housing market you're drunk (laughs) (laughs) right the only time that it got like completely insane was obviously the great depression mm-hmm. but then again in 2008 where we saw the market drop out and that was because our buying power was not as strong as we were allowing people to purchase mm-hmm. where now because of inflation and because of incomes and because of appreciation our buy- buying power is so much stronger right and we talked about that a little bit in our last episode mm-hmm we're just so much stronger now that this is not actually a bubble. (laughs) Right. Okay. And that's where, you know, that's where another form of strategy comes in. Yeah. So, okay. That's what I was about to ask. I know we've probably gone down so many rabbit holes. There's a lot there. So I'm going to rein in my questions really quickly, but we're at about the half an hour mark. So were there other points that you wanted to make about where that three-sided balance sheet comes in and um, just in general things that you wanted to touch on during this episode? No, I think I pretty much hit it, you know, made a joke about parodies and songs <laughs> and i got way too excited about weird al yankovich which if you are sleeping on weird al like i honestly cannot relate to because he is a lyrical genius first of all he's a wonderful guy he produces a kids television show and it's just like chef's kiss so good okay <laughs> it's called the Storybots. you have kids they I, love the Storybots. shout out to the Storybots, not sponsored <laughs> Um, that's what's also fun about this episode because LaDonna and I are literally the most opposite people in the whole world. TV is like my full on life. Like trash uh, TV, love it so much. Nope. And like she does stuff <laughs> with her free time. Like she bakes and gardens and I would rather lay on my couch and do nothing and scroll on my phone. Um, so we're very different and it's a really fun to have these conversations. It is super fun. And I love that we can still be friends, even though we're so super different in all of it. Yes. No, like if you reference something pop culture and you saw it on TV, I probably don't get it. Like I might catch on eventually because 
be so many people talk about it or whatever. Like, but <laughs> okay, I understand. I you. probably don't actually understand it. Okay, so <laughs> because basically, I just don't watch TV. What Ladonna is saying is that. If you want to talk about the Kardashians, you should call me. And if you want to talk about three-sided balance sheets, you should call LaDonna. So basically, I also read a lot of books. Okay. I read occasionally. Anyway. All right. I think. So, okay. If you could sum up, like if you want a takeaway for anyone who is listening, what is your one big takeaway, a sentence or two, where you're like, this is what I want you to know and what I want you to move forward taking away from this episode? What I want you to move forward knowing is that your real estate holdings are a liability and an asset. And having the right strategy to manipulate that in a way that works the best for your personal goals, that's where mortgage advisors come in and financial advisors come in. And the, your financial team of tax people, real estate agents, mortgage people, financial advisors that team of professionals those like those are the people that are here to help you move forward in your journey of building your wealth portfolio perfect i love it and just to add on to that i think it really speaks to the fact that um hopefully listening to this you will go like come away from it with questions to ask because sometimes that's the hardest part is you don't even realize what you could be doing. And so if you have some questions to ask where you can call LaDonna or you can call your lender that you've used or whatever, and you can say, hey, I'd love to have a meeting with you. I'm not purchasing a house right now, but I really want to start making my house work for me. Um, how can I do that? These are the these are the things that are going on in my mind. And now I know to ask would a HELOC make sense for me? Would a cash out make sense for me? What does that look like for me? And hopefully you can walk away with this episode with having some questions to um, ask the professionals that you trust. Right. One of the first things that I ask people when I talk to them always is, what is your goal mm -hmm. going into this? What do you want to get out of this loan yeah. or this meeting? Because that's really, really that's the end point. We work for you. <laughs> we work for you. We work toward your goal. And every year when I call you to check in to make sure that you're on track, I also ask again, and what's your goal? Has that changed? Was there a death? Was there a baby? Like, because those things change your goals. What's your goal? <laughs> what is your goal? What is your goal for this, this loan? What are, what are your financial goals? And my goal is to tell all of you that thank you for listening yes <laughs> and my goal is to get all of you guys to listen to not your mother's housing market and to follow us on not your mother's housing market instagram page which we are building out right now and to let you know that if you have any questions please reach out to me katie keaton with realty one group pacifica my phone number is 360-751-6258 and reach out to LaDonna. LaDonna Page. I am a mortgage advisor and liabilities manager with Sierra Pacific Mortgage, and my phone number is 623-853-3455. And we serve the Kellitz County area and surrounding areas, and we are so happy to have you here and listening, yeah. and can't wait for episode five. Here we go. Next week, we are just chugging along. I yeah. love it. Look at us in commitment. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was episode four of Not Your Mother's Housing Market, and we hope to have you here next week. Have a great day.